If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I hate to do this to you guys, but this is one of those days that I will be manning the show solo. I almost decided just to hold off until Curse could get back for Thursday's preview show, but in the wake of the disaster on the planes last Saturday, the mailbag, obviously, as you can imagine, has been filling up, and I want to make sure to get to everyone's questions before the Kentucky game hits, so here I am. I'll do my best here, uh, running by myself, but I will dig into the mailbag here momentarily, but first, just a couple of quick Things for you guys. If you're newer to the show, you can follow us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also email us, um, and that address is gloryujapodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find our show on a bunch of different platforms out there. Clearly, you are listening to us somewhere, somehow. But if you wanted to check out some different platforms, that might be a little easier for you guys. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, those big ones there. You can also find us on the dogsportsradio.com webpage part of the V-Sport-O Internet Radio Network. You can also find the Dog Sports Radio app on your app store. And then, of course, the sound, the I'm sorry, the uh, Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. All right, well, that out of the way, let's go ahead and not waste any more time. Let's go straight into the mailbag. I've got a couple questions here, basically coming off of last week's disaster loss on the planes. And the first question isn't necessarily specific about the Auburn game, but kind of the repercussions of that game and what it's going to do to the rest of our season. And this question is from the fullback kid. Appreciate the question, bud. And he asks, uh, if we win out, including the SEC championship, do we make it to the playoffs with Notre Dame losing to Miami like they did? That's a fair question, man. Obviously, this is one that's on the mind of every Georgia fan out there. We kept telling you guys, you know, as as we got to seven zero, eight zero, nine zero, and everyone's thinking about playoff potential playoffs and SEC title games, that that was all well and good. And Curtis and I were doing the same. Absolutely, we're just like everyone else out there. But we kept telling you there was a lot of football left to be played, and there was. We saw what happened Saturday, and there's still a lot of football left to be played. We very well could get to the SEC title game with only one loss, but that's no done deal. I mean, I, I think we should. I think we should handle Kentucky fairly easily. We'll get into that in the preview show later this week. But Tech, you know, just by virtue of the fact that it's the biggest game on their schedule every single year, being on the road doesn't really do that much to me. But it's just having to defend that offense, which is entirely different than any offense we defend all year long. It's just a different animal. It's hard to prepare for that. So that's going to be a game that we better be ready to play. I think we will. It's the next stop on the Kirby Smart revenge train from last year. But it's going to be tough. So, we very well could end up ten and or eleven and one in the SEC title game, playing for a playoff spot. But that's not necessarily the case. Hopefully, it will be. We're better than the last two teams on our schedule. But well, things happen. It's college football. But to answer your question, man, 
I think there's a very good possibility. In fact, if we win out and include the including the SEC Championship game, like you said in your premise there, I think we're in. Because if you look at the contenders there, so let, let's let look at it this, in this scenario. Let's say if Oklahoma wins the Big 12, right now they're the most likely team to win the Big 12. Not a done deal by any stretch of imagination, but the way they're playing right now, look at the rest of the Big 12, with them having beaten Oklahoma State and TCU already, they're two biggest, uh, com- the two biggest contenders in the uh, Big 12, I think it's safe to say right now that they're the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12. If they win the Big 12 with one loss to Iowa State, a close loss to Iowa State at home, it's still a close loss to a respectable Iowa State football team, I think Oklahoma is definitely in. They might even sew up the number one spot if if things fall a certain way. Uh, then I think you're going to have the winner of the ACC championship game. It's going to be Clemson and Miami. Uh, if if I'm looking at that game right now, I think Miami would have a legitimate shot. I'm still going to stick with Clemson. I think they have more talent all around the roster there. So let's say the ACC winner is going to be Clemson, but it could be Miami. But the ACC winner, whoever it's going to be, is going to be in the playoff. I would imagine possibly as the two seed. I know right now that Clemson is ahead of Oklahoma in the playoffs. We'll see if that continues. Uh, I'm recording this before the, the third week of the rankings came out, so we'll see if Oklahoma has jumped ahead of Clemson with a big win over TCU. I don't know. Clemson might still be up there. We'll see when the rankings come out. And then I think in that third spot, you're if we win the SEC championship, I would I would imagine we'd slide in right there in that three or four spot in the playoffs as a one loss SEC champion. The Pac-12 is done. All right, they're not their champion is going to have at least two losses. They are absolutely done. The Big Ten, the way I the way I'm looking at this right now, I think that it's going to be Wisconsin versus Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the better football team. Wisconsin is a good team. They cannot be completely discounted. But I think Ohio State is a better football team. They're a more talented football team. And I believe Ohio State will defeat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, knocking Wisconsin at least, well, for at least my purposes, knocking Wisconsin out, putting Ohio State in a position to have an argument maybe, but they're a two-loss football team with an absolute blowout loss on the resume. One blowout loss, at least in our case, let's hope that doesn't count against you. Are too much at least, but if you got a blowout loss and another loss, you got two losses on your resume. I, even if they win the Big Ten, I'm just not sure that Ohio State's going to sneak in unless there's absolute chaos, where maybe Wisconsin loses to Michigan this week, Miami screws up and loses to let's say Virginia this week, Bama. Uh, I guess they would have to lose. Well, to Mercer, I guess that wouldn't really be a scenario there. That's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. But I think if we win out, including the SEC title game, I think we would absolutely be in this game. Because uh, I don't think the Big Ten champion is going to get in. Because I think it's going to be Ohio State, and I don't think that's going to. I don't think the Pac-12 champion is going to get in. I think that's probably going to be Washington or USC, but probably Washington. Because both those teams, if they win their respective conferences, they're going to have two losses. If we win our conference, the SEC, despite the blowout loss at Auburn, we would still only have one loss, and we would have that SEC title there. So I think we would sneak in there, and then you're looking at a four spot would be a toss up between a couple one loss teams that did not win their championship. So if Clemson wins. The ACC, uh, you can see a one-loss Miami team, a one-loss Wisconsin, uh, maybe even a one-loss Bama sneak in there somehow if that were to happen. If, if I'm looking at it this way, and you got one-loss Miami, one-loss Wisconsin, one-loss Bama, I actually think that one-loss Miami team might sneak in. I know they haven't been ranked as high as Bama has, but if you factor in now, you've got a win against Virginia Tech, a win against a blowout win against Notre Dame. That's going to trump anything Bama has. I guess Bama would have a, a close win on the road against Mississippi State, and then if they're in the SEC title game, they're going to have to beat Auburn, so they have a win on the road against Auburn. 
which is going to be a top 10 team here. But I think and that's going to be a close call between Miami and Bama. But I would not be shocked to see Miami sneak in there by virtue of the fact that they just destroyed Notre Dame in a national TV setting there. But yeah, going back to, to us here, if we went out again, I absolutely think that we're going to, I don't know if we will do that, but there's, it's there. It's there for the taking. Everything is still in front of us. We've kind of lost control of our own destiny when it comes to the playoffs now because we have lost, but I still think there's an opportunity for us. And look, guys, we want as much chaos as possible to happen. The more of these one-loss or, or undefeated teams lose, the better it is for us. We want to have, take those one-loss teams, make them two-loss teams, take them out of the equation, bring those, those undefeated teams like Wisconsin back down to our level. And uh, that obviously would clearly give us a much better chance to still find our way into the playoffs if we are a one-loss SEC championship or SEC champion potentially. All right, next question here. This is from Jeremy. Appreciate the question, bud. Jeremy asks, uh, he says, we recruit better or equal with Auburn. So how did we get dominated on the line of scrimmage like that? That's a great question, Jeremy. That's one of the things Curtis and I pointed out on our recap show that we did not want to do. It was very painful, but we, we suffered through it. But uh, we pointed that out that we just got dominated line of scrimmage. That's why we lost the game. I'll say it again. We lost the game because we got beat on both lines of scrimmage. We got blown out because you added to the fact that we got dominated on both lines of scrimmage that we made a ton of uncharacteristic mistakes that just led to this absolute blowout loss. That, sh- that We probably shouldn't have won, but it shouldn't have been as bad as it was. It shouldn't have been as ugly as it was. But to answer your question, Jeremy, I, I think, yes, we do have equal or better talent than Auburn. I think up and down the roster, we might have slightly more talent than Auburn does. I, I really believe that. A lot of it's young, but it's there. And so I would answer that question by saying, right now, Kirby is still cleaning up the mess Mark left behind, particularly on the offensive line, to a lesser extent, the defensive line. You know, he had guys like Trent Thompson already in the bag. But Mark Rick, as, as much as I love the guy, and as many good things as he did for our program, and as good of a coach as he really is, he left our roster in relatively bad shape, worse shape than it ever should have been, and particularly on the offensive line. And we are still trying to pull ourselves out of that. Now, we are demonstrably better than we were last year on the offensive line, even though it wasn't pretty on Saturday. You, got, you have to say, if you're being honest, you're looking at the season in its totality, we have been significantly better on the offensive line than, where we, than what we were last year. And on top of that, we have a host of highly talented young dudes either on the roster right now that just aren't ready to play, guys like Notori Johnson, Isaiah Wilson, Justin Schaefer, those kind of guys. So either they're on the roster right now or potentially on their way. Maybe a guy like Jamari Salyer, Trey Hill, Cade Mays, some of these guys that we might end up landing in this 2018 class. So we are well on our way to fixing that issue. But if you're talking about getting dominant line of scrimmage, particularly with our offensive line, Guys, the Auburn defensive line, it was just a myth. I tried to explain that in the preview show. That's why it was a toss-up for me. That defensive line is legit. And our offensive line has been good this year, much better than it has been in the past couple of years, especially last year. But I wasn't convinced, and clearly we saw it kind of play out there, that our line, as well as we played for the most part, was equipped to handle a top-shelf, borderline elite defensive front like Auburn has. So it's just right now, honestly, we're still working through some of those roster issues. We're well on our way to fixing those, and we're much better than where we were a year, year and a half ago. But we still have a little ways to go on the lines of scrimmage, Uh, again, particularly on the offensive line there. And we're just going to have to recruit our way out of that. We're doing it. We've got to continue to recruit our way out of that situation. I have no doubt that we absolutely will. Give it a year or two, and I don't think you're going to say any team is going to be dominating us on either line of scrimmage. I really don't think you're going to be seeing that. Uh, Next question here from Kyrie. Thanks for the question, man. Kyrie says, I have to say, I'm not completely surprised by the outcome of the Auburn game. 
were just not balanced enough. We had all season long to have Fromm ready with a passing game. Our coaches simply didn't do that. So it's not so much a question from Kyrie, just a statement that I'm going to react to here. It's a fair point, Kyrie. It really is, man. We have... We haven't been all together. We haven't been balanced at all, really, this year. We've been running the ball over seventy percent of the time throughout the season. Uh, so I get what you're saying that you might not be completely surprised by the outcome of the Auburn game. I will say, I was surprised that it was as lopsided as it was. I was not surprised that we lost the football game. I said it was a, a 50-50 toss-up coming into the game. I thought it was come down to who made fewer mistakes, who didn't turn the ball over, and that turned out to be Auburn. We made so many mistakes, so many mistakes that we made all year. Turned the ball over right there. If we get a stop to open the second half, and they didn't do any of that. They played essentially their best game of the year. Really, I've watched every single game they played this year, scouting them out for, for last week. That was definitely the best game they played all year long, and that was clearly the worst game that we have played all year long, so it was kind of just one of those days, a perfect storm event. But I hear what you're saying in terms of us not being balanced and us not getting from ready for the passing game. I get that. But to respond to that, I think it's fair to say our coaches got throughout the season to get us to 9-0 and where we were, our coaches did what they thought would win football games and did get us to 9-0 and doing that. That's what the coach's job is, to win football games, to do whatever you think is necessary to win every single game. You take it one game at a time and you do what you think you have to do to win that game. The goal is to win. Yes, being balanced, I think, oftentimes helps you win, but the goal is not necessarily to be balanced. The goal is to win, and we did that through the first nine games. Now, against Auburn, clearly we needed to be more balanced than we were. I absolutely 1,000% agree with that and understand where you're coming from, uh, but the fact is we just didn't have to be balanced to get to 9-0, and and early in the season, we probably weren't really ready to have Fromm be throw, throwing the ball a ton. I think Cheney's done a really nice job of bringing him along slowly but surely. Uh, I do think right now he is ready to take on a little more responsibility. I just don't know if the coaches are ready to put that on him. I think the biggest mistake that our our, our offensive coaching staff made, particularly, obviously, the man in charge of the offense, Jim Chaney, I think the biggest mistake he made was just simply not recognizing the need to be more balanced against Auburn. Okay, Because I agree with you. We needed to be more balanced against Auburn. And he didn't really recognize that after watching the tape and developing the game plan. Uh, and the biggest issue with balance... You know, a lot of people think that it means like, hey, you got to throw the ball and run the ball 50-50, right? That's balance. Well, I guess technically it's a form of balance, but to me, the biggest issue with balance is not necessarily throwing it and running it 50-50 total, but throwing it more on early downs and short down and distances when defenses are geared up to stop the run. That's when we have man coverage and we can exploit those defenses in that, at that time through the air. Especially when you got a young quarterback like Jake Fromm, why are we consistently putting him in passing situations when it's third and long? Why are we having to throw when it's third and long, which that is the worst scenario for any quarterback, especially a true freshman, to have to throw the football when everyone in the stadium, especially the defensive coordinators and the the players on the field out there, understand that we're going to be throwing the football. They can pin their ears back and just destroy us, which is what they did on Saturday. When we wait until second and third long, or particularly third long, we just aren't going to have much success because like I said, that's when defenses are specifically set up to stop us from throwing it. Nobody has a lot of success on third down. But again, especially not a true freshman. My thing is, don't be arrogant, okay? Don't be arrogant and just think you can impose your will on every team we play. Arrogance is all fine and good when you're playing the Vandys and the Missouris of the world. But against top-shelf defensive fronts like Auburn, that arrogance is a recipe for a blowout. 
Now, let me give you some context here, guys. I'm talking about throwing the ball on early downs. This, and I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and no one's really been paying attention, or at least nobody's really been talking much about it, because we've still been winning football games. It's, it's hard to criticize a team. When you criticize a team and kind of point out some shortcomings and some weaknesses, when you're winning games to the tune of 9-0, and people don't really want to hear you kind of pull the team down. But I've been trying to point this out a little bit throughout the season, and it it was front and center for us to see on Saturday. In the first half last week, against Auburn, before the game got away and we were completely taken out of our game plan and forced to throw it almost every down, we had 23 first and second down opportunities. So in the first half, we had 23 combined first and second down opportunities. Out of those 23 first and second down opportunities last week against Auburn, we threw the ball five times in the first half. That's 79%. 79% of the time, we were running the football on first and second down. If I know that, then I can guarantee you that Kevin Steele and the Auburn defensive coach staff knew that, and the Auburn defensive players knew that. So what are they going to do when we're running the ball 79% of the time on first and second down? That's right. On early downs, they're going to gear up to stop the run and give us opportunities to exploit them through the air, opportunities that we simply chose not to even try to exploit. The few times that we did try to exploit it on first and second down, the five times we did throw it on those downs in the first half, it was there. Uh, the Godwin reception, I think it was a 26-yard reception after the third down conversion on that first drive to put us down there in the red zone. The, the Ridley play where Fromm just missed the wide open Riley really after the, the defender had fallen down. That was on a first down. That was a clear t- opportunity for a touchdown right there. So when we went to the air on early downs, we were either getting chunks or having chunks right there for the taking that we just missed. And I can't for the life of me understand why we don't throw the ball more on early downs. That's one of the ways to neutralize a strong defensive pass rush, one of the ways to help out a true freshman quarterback because he's throwing it into situations where defenses aren't specifically geared up to stop the pass. And I just, I don't get it. I really don't get why we're so headstrong to run it on first and second down 80, 80-ish percent of the time. Because it's it's something that you can do with success against the lesser opponents, the teams that we were murdering, the Vanderbilts, the Missouris, teams like that. But against a team like Auburn, the better teams on our schedule, the better defenses on our schedule, it's just simply not going to happen. And you can't be so arrogant to think that you're going to be able to do it against the better teams like that. It's just not the same deal. Now, we had seven third downs in the first half, okay? We had seven third downs, kind of give you a little more illustration here, seven third downs in the first half, and huh, what do you know, we threw it on six of those, and most of those were third longs, there's a few, there's one third and I think three, we tried to hit a tight end there, and the defender was draped all over him, and didn't complete it, but most of those are third long situations, so again, seven third downs in the first half, we threw it on six of them, 23 first and second down opportunities in the first half, we only threw the ball five times. We have to be more balanced. I agree, but we have to be more balanced in terms of what downs we are throwing and running the football. To me, that's where it really matters. And I hope to God our coaching staff, Arvin's coaching staff, got a wake-up call when it comes to that. Now, against Kentucky, we should be able to do what we did against Vanderbilt, against Tennessee, against Missouri, against all those teams, and just run at will. They're not a good defensive football team. They're, They're not that good at all. We should be able to handle that. They're one of those teams that we should have no problem with doing the old school, you know, run it 70 plus percent of the time. But when we get to the SEC title game and we have a re- potentially a rematch against Auburn or game against Alabama, two really good defensive fronts, we have to be more balanced on early downs. We just simply have to because we're not going to win doing the same thing we've done that we did all year to get us to 9 and 0. All right, next question here is from David. Thanks for the question, David. David uh, says it's hard to criticize Cheney when we've been putting up 30 plus points a game. 
but I don't think we had a good game plan this week. So it's another statement here, and uh, I include this one because I think Dave makes a good point. It's a point that a lot of people were making throughout the week, or at least through the weekend after the game. So I, I kind of want to react to that here. And David, I agree with you, man. Uh, I do think that Cheney has been fantastic all season. I know he was kind of a pincushion last year, last year, kind of a punching bag. For a lot of people, because we were 7-5, and five, and you want to blame the coaches, and I get it. And he wasn't perfect last year. He really wasn't. I think you have to consider what he was working with. Now, this year, I think through the first nine games, Jim Chaney, and I'll use the word again. I, I use it with, with no hesitation. He has been fantastic all season. He's brought from along very well. Uh, he's added more to the playbook each week. He's introducing new wrinkles each week. He's formationing teams to death, which totally screws up with their preparation. It's very difficult to prepare for our offense, unless I guess you're Auburn and you know exactly what we're going to be doing. Uh, but he's been doing a lot of really good things all year long. But I do agree, David, this week was the first truly poor game plan that we have had all year. Jim Chaney essentially, based on what I saw, tried to implement that same game plan that we have used to murder lesser opponents all year. But this time, he tried to use, utilize that same game plan against the best defense on our schedule. And I, I absolutely have the best defense on our schedule. I, I kind of think in some ways, after all the success we've had running the ball against basically every single defense we faced up until Auburn on Saturday— Jim Cheney kind of, and understandably so, he kind of somewhat deluded himself into thinking our offensive line was good enough to force its will on a top shelf defensive front. I mean, I get it. I, in some ways, I get it because we've had had we have had so much success running the football on everybody. Even when they know we're going to run the football, they're putting eight guys in the box, stacking the box almost every single down, and we've still been able to have success running the football. But that wasn't against an Auburn caliber defense. Okay, that was not that type. Those were not those that type of defense. They simply were not as good up front. And when you face a, a team that has a borderline elite defensive front and front seven there, you simply cannot delude yourself into thinking that you're going to be able to just impose your will on them. Not with the offensive line that we have, which is improved clearly, but still not anywhere close to a dominant offensive front. So. I think that's the big issue there. I do agree that he's been really good all year, but this was clearly, I mean, you can look at the the result there and and see it for yourself, but clearly not a game plan that we want to see repeated in the SEC title game. If we have a rematch against Auburn or even against Alabama, there's two similar type defenses there with very good front sevens. All right, next question is from John. Thanks for the question, man. John asks, do you think Saturday was a freshman night for Jake Fromm or a wake-up call for the whole team? We kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, on the Monday show, recapping the Auburn game. But I'll go ahead and dig into a little bit more here. I Look, guys, despite what a lot of people are saying and feeling about Jake Fromm's performance, I really don't think it was terrible. Okay, I really do not think it was terrible. It wasn't particularly great, but it wasn't terrible either. He absolutely missed one incredibly easy layup touchdown that you simply can't miss. All right, that's kind of throw that Jacob Eason got killed for missing last year, and Fromm missed it. Now, to be fair, Fromm has been hitting those all year. He really has, but he missed that one, and that was a huge one in a big moment in a big game there. But it wasn't really an awful throw. The ball was there. The receiver had a chance to catch it. Now, even the receiver caught it, he would have been down right where he caught it. So it still was not a good throw. You got to put that ball out there, let the receiver run under it, hit him in stride, and you got an easy touchdown. The defender fell down. That was an easy layup touchdown that I think Jay Fromm himself would tell you that he's got to make that throw. He absolutely does. Uh, he did also hold the ball account too long on a few occasions. Uh, but part of that was also the wide receivers having a lot of difficulty getting off that press man coverage that Auburn was employing. One of the things I want to say about 
Jake Fromm's performance. Like, again, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. But I find it ironic that a lot of folks that were saying Eason last year, Jacob Eason wasn't treated fairly last year because he was working with a porous offensive line, had no running game, and was constantly in unfavorable third-long situations, which I completely agree with, by the way. All that's true. Eason was a true freshman working with a terrible offensive line, no running game to help him out, and was as a result was constantly in these third-long situations where no one's going to have success, much less a, a true freshman quarterback. But all those people who were defending Jacob Eason, I was one of those guys that you're pointing out all those things. A lot of the people that were defending him last year, saying that people were being unfair to him, are now turning around and saying and saying that Fromm played terrible on Saturday when he had to deal with the exact same thing that Eason had to deal with last year. He had no protection, no run game. Again, hard for any quarterback to find much success under those circumstances, whether you're Jacob Eason last year or whether you're Jake Fromm this year, at least against Auburn. Now, most of the year it's been different for him. Absolutely, it has been. But Saturday... It mirrored what we saw last year to me quite a bit. I, I, I said on Monday's show, I turned to my wife, I was like, God, this looks just like last year. The way that defenders are getting in the backfield almost just untouched at times, it seemed like. They were just blowing past guys. They had no ability to run the football, constantly in third long. It looked a lot like last year when people were criticizing Jacob Eason, and, the, and there were those who were saying that was unfair, like me. Uh, but then they're turning around and saying the same thing about Fromm, saying, well, he played terrible, he played terrible, put Eason in. Well, so you're going to defend Jacob Eason from last year because he was in a bad situation, but you're going to rip from for being in a similar situation against Auburn. I just think that's a little ironic there. Just me. Uh, now, to me, freshman moments. So we're talking about do we think Saturday was a freshman moment for Jake Fromm? To me, freshman moments are those moments where quarterbacks make terrible decisions that absolutely get you beat. Throwing terrible picks and, and stuff like that. Fromm didn't do that on Saturday. Now, he missed a big throw, and he did hold, he held the ball too long a couple of times. But it's not like he was a disaster, all right? He wasn't making those terrible decisions. He wasn't particularly great, but he wasn't a, a disaster either. So that's kind of my take on it. I think it was just, a, like I said on Monday's show, it was a total team failure, that which Jake Fromm played a role in, clearly. But the whole team did. There was no one outside maybe Javon Wims that had a great game. That was a, that was a, a failure that our entire team has to own. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question here. From Mason, thanks for the question, man. Mason uh, asked today, I guess he sent this question on Monday, today the league, the SEC, announced the Tet game will either be a noon kickoff or an 8 p.m. ABC primetime kickoff. Which slot would you prefer? Oh, man, Mason, good question, dude. I know it's a popular question. People like their night games. But for me, this is a no-brainer. I absolutely 100 million percent prefer a noon kickoff for this game. Look, as I know a lot of you love the 8 o'clock games, it's a quote-unquote better environment, which it totally is. At home, absolutely, it's a better environment. People are jacked up. People are kind of, let's be honest, kind of liquored up. The crowd goes wild. It's a louder environment. No doubt about it, right? The team on the field is more jacked up because of that. It kind of trickles down for sure. But, dude, this is not a home game. This is a road game. While we re- while people should definitely like home night games, as the crowd is jacked up, it's a better home field environment. You want the opposite on the road. You want the crowd to be as dead and asleep as possible. I do not want a jacked up Georgia Tech crowd. I guess I mean I guess that's all relative. A jacked up Georgia Tech crowd. What is that? I don't know. Uh, but we don't want them to have any more motivation or any more uh, hostility in that stadium than they normally would. I know there's gonna be a lot of red in that stadium, but there's still gonna be plenty of, of Tech fans there. An eight o'clock game. I know that some people would favor that because also it's a primetime game. We have a national audience, national attention there. But 
man, I, I really think for, for, in my opinion, this is a no-brainer. You want a noon, a noon game. It's a less hostile environment. Our team's going to be able to get back and get settled in Athens and get a head start on prep, preparation for either Auburn or Alabama, whoever that might be in the SEC title game. Uh, and it also doesn't mess with the sleep patterns as much. So think about it. If, if we had the 8 o'clock kickoff, if it's, an, if it's an 8 o'clock ABC primetime game, which it would be, that doesn't kick off at 8 o'clock. It's going to kick off about 8, 19, 8, 20, right? So the game's over sh- shortly but shortly before midnight, between 1130 and midnight. So by the, team, by the time the team gets undressed, gets packed up, Kirby does all his press conferences and all that stuff, we might be leaving around 1-ish, 1-15, get back to Athens, I don't know, 2-15, 2-30, something like that. I, and that's that's not a, a situation that I want us to be in. I don't want to mess around with sleep patterns like that. So for me, absolutely, noon is the no-brainer here. And look, if you're talking about from a fan perspective, from just being purely selfish, if it's an 8 o'clock game on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, it's going to be freaking cold. All right, It's going to be really, really cold. I know that's a selfish reason and it shouldn't really matter that much. And, and it... I guess it does. For my wife, it matters a whole lot more than some of the other things. But for me, that's just another factor here saying let's play this at noon. I'm more so focusing on the. it's a less hostile environment. We'll get back and settle in Athens, get a, be able to start a prep for Auburn a lot quicker, doesn't match with the sleep patterns, all those things. Then you add the cold in there as well. To me, again, no-brainer. Let's hope and pray, at least on my, on my end here, for a noon kickoff against Tech. All right, last question here. And it's a really good question from Jonathan, man, because I can't say that I, haven't, I wasn't wondering this myself. So thanks for the question, Jonathan. Uh, and Jonathan asks, how in the heck did we move the ball so well the first drive against Auburn and the rest of the entire game, they dominated us up front on both sides of the ball? Fantastic question, man. Uh, I guess I would answer it this way. The first thing I would say is on that first drive, uh, we did move the ball. We moved the ball down the field and scored a touchdown, clearly. But let's also remember that Fromm and Wims bailed us out on a big third and seven in that drive with a 28-yard completion. And then, huh, what do you know? We actually then turned right around the next play and threw the ball on first down. We had a little momentum. And when we did that, we got another 26-yard gain there to Terry Godwin. So Cheney actually opened up the playbook a little bit on a first down. And then we were able to do just enough to punch it in on the ground. But from there on out, we got Stone trying to run the football, and we simply were not consistently willing to throw on early downs the rest of the first half before the game got away from us. And once it got away from us, then we completely taken out of our game plan. We weren't having any success running the football anyway, but I think that we were hoping that, you know, eventually we would wear the Auburn defense down our, uh, and our defense would do enough to hold them, keep us within striking distance of that game. And that after, you know, a first half of pounding and pounding at them and getting the third quarter and the fourth quarter, we'd be able to kind of wear them down and, and kind of break some big ones on the ground. But when we got, when our defense couldn't hold us in the bargain, or, well, we, they did it early with those holding Auburn and those three field goals, but, the defense kind of kind of gave way eventually. We started making some of those dumb mistakes on special teams, turned the ball over, stupid penalties. Then it kind of got out of hand. And then when the game got away from us, we got to turn around and just throw the ball constantly. And we are not built to do that right now. We still have to have some semblance of balance. So I, to me, I guess that's kind of how it went down there. Jay did a nice job of scripting that first series. But after the script there, it didn't look so great at all. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us here today on the mailbag edition of the Glory UJ podcast. I hope it wasn't too painful for you guys having me go at it solo here. I always feel weird, man, just kind of like talking to myself and kind of monologuing. It's weird. Uh, but I hope it wasn't too bad. I hope you're still able to enjoy the show at least a little bit here. But have no fear. Kurt will be back for Thursday's preview of the Kentucky game. So make sure to check back with us there. But uh, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>